Hi, welcome to the Berry Nation podcast, where we support the bariatric community with humor, humility, and honesty. I'm April. I'm Jason. I'm Natalie. And if you're watching, you already know two of our most famous and favorite experts are here today on the podcast with us, Dr. Matthew Weiner and Claire Polly. Hi, friends. Hi. Hi. We are so excited to talk to you today about a subject that we know you are both extremely passionate about, and that is weight loss medication. Our theme in February is a little bit of a mouthful, but it's basically weight loss surgery, bariatric surgery will not be enough to find and maintain your happy, healthy weight. And when we say will not be enough, we are talking about nutrition. We're talking about movement. We're talking about mindset. There are many things that we need to do on top of surgery or on top of medication, if we want to truly find and maintain our happy, healthy weight, if we want to reach metabolic wellness, the reason that we are excited or we feel this need to talk specifically on this subject is because so many of us, myself included, went into surgery thinking it would be the only thing I would need, right? I was handed a binder. That binder said, eat this at this month and boom, your weight will fall off and you will forever be skinny and healthy. And about six months after surgery, I realized that was complete bullshit. It was not true at all. I got really bad. I got really angry. Uh, and I have since been on a quest with my friends to deliver or create the support, the information, the resources that are needed for patients to find and maintain their happy, healthy weight. Uh, so just a little bit of backstory about why we so love and appreciate you both. You are the most vocal, positive uh, strong forces for good in the bariatric community, because you know that surgery is not a lot enough and you do everything you possibly can to advocate for what your patients will need for their lifetime. So we're just so thrilled uh, that you're joining us tonight. And we just thank you so much for your time and your expertise, because this is going to be a really important conversation. Are you having bariatric or revision surgery related to other weight loss procedures and feeling nervous about the post-surgical pain management? Check out yourxfactor.com to learn more about steps to take to prepare yourself both physically and mentally for your surgery. Before we dive in, I do want to give you guys both the floor. Will you please just introduce yourself briefly to any of our friends or followers that don't know you or have never met you before? Dr. Weiner, will you start? Sure. My name is Matt Weiner. I'm a bariatric surgeon. I practice with Claire in, in Tucson, Arizona. Uh, we run a weight loss practice. Uh, we offer, obviously, surgical practice. That's kind of my focus. I've been doing bariatric surgery for about 15 years now. Um, and, you know, I pretty much spent my entire career searching for things besides surgery to help patients. I wrote my first book uh, almost a decade ago um, about nutrition because that was the tool we had back then. And, you know, over, over my career, I've been blessed that there have been some other things that we can now offer patients. And we're going to talk a lot about that today. Um, but, but yeah, this is, you know, this is a complex topic. Obesity, the more I learn about it, the more I recognize obesity is an extremely complicated disease. Um, so, so anyway, yeah, I think uh, I'm excited to have this conversation because I think it's really needed. And we're starting to see more and more acceptance over time. I'm, I'm very optimistic that this is going to become a very important part of therapy for all of our bariatric surgery patients. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm I was Claire. A... Oh, go ahead. Nope, go for it. 
I'm Claire. I'm the physician assistant in charge of the non-surgical and really post-surgical weight management program um, as part of Pound of Cure. Um, you know, like Dr. Weiner said, kind of my one of my big passions is creating this as the complex chronic disease that it is and not kind of what we've historically done in the medical community, which is been, you know, treating it with not very evidence-based treatment options. So very excited to have this conversation today. And, you know, it's a conversation I have every day with patients, but fun to have a bigger audience to, you know, talk about it. Absolutely. Claire, would you mind, will you, will you define or will you break down what you mean when you say that complex chronic disease? What is that? What does that mean? Yes. So obesity as a disease process, first of all, obesity is a disease, right? So that is something that it is not a lifestyle choice. It is not something that, you know, is a moral failing of some kind, right? This is a disease process like any other disease process. And it is very closely linked to a lot of other chronic diseases that we're aware of and accept as disease processes, right? Like diabetes, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, et cetera. It is multifactorial. And so it is very complex, right? So we know that genetics play a role. We know that environment plays a role. We know that medications play a role. We know that so many other factors are playing a role here that it makes treatment of this chronic disease incredibly complex as well, and not necessarily a one-size-fits-all approach like a lot of people think it is, right? And as patients, when we go into surgery, we believe, uh, right, that that obesity was a decision that we made, that we somehow brought this on ourselves. We brought this plague on ourselves, and we are the shameful one, and we need to seek, right, you know, guidance from the surgeon, and they're going to give us the surgery, and then everything will be wonderful. But you so beautifully demonstrated it is obesity is caused by so many different factors. There are so many things that contribute to this disease. One one treatment is not going to be enough, right? Surgery is is more than likely going to be our primary um, treatment. And the whole point of the conversation today is really to talk about these new medications that are coming out to help treat the disease of obesity can also be a primary treatment for the disease, right? Very, very powerful. Uh, Again, treats multiple factors uh, of this disease. But regardless of what our primary treatment is, either surgery or medication, it is going to require many secondary adjunct treatments like nutrition, like movement, like working on our mindset to to actually learn to live and to fight back against this disease. Hi friends, it's April. We are so excited to officially announce that ProCare Health is the official vitamin of Berry Nation. We were introduced to ProCare Health at the first Bariatric Society retreat in San Diego, and we have all fallen in love with our product and with the people behind the company. Jason, Natalie, and I have all made the switch to ProCare Health daily bariatric multivitamins, and we are seeing huge results. We invite you to check out ProCare Health by visiting them online at www.procarenow.com and use the code BERRYNATION for 10% off your order. And you guys, this even applies to vitamin subscribers services. So if you want your vitamins delivered every month or every 90 days, that 10% off is going to apply to that subscription. See what I mean about patient forward, patient centered? ProCare is amazing and we are so excited to be partnered with them. Welcome to the Berry Nation family, ProCare Health. So if we if we think about this in a similar way that we think about 
let's say the disease of cancer, which by the way, a lot of cancers do have lifestyle components as one you know, component that can contribute to, to getting cancer. And when we treat cancer, it is often necessary that we have this multifactorial treatment plan, right? So we're seeing the surgical oncologist and maybe we're having surgery. And then we're seeing the radiation oncologist and then we're seeing the medication oncologist. And that is viewed as the necessary treatment plan for a cancer that has is not treated by, you know, the first thing that we try. And so, you know, and that's true for high blood pressure, right? How many times we go to our doctor and we have high blood pressure, they tell us, okay, let's try, a you know, lifestyle changes first. Oftentimes that is absolutely not enough to bring blood pressure down. And so therefore we try a first medication and then we check in and did that work? Oh no. Okay. We think this next medication will be synergistic, right? So this idea of synergistic treatment plans um, you know, is, is so, um, is so prevalent in every other disease process that we know of and, and so accepted. And yet it is not yet well accepted in this disease process, unfortunately. Can I ask why you think that is? We I all. think it's because of a long treacherous history of trying to treat this disease poorly. It's because medicine did not understand this disease until very recently. Like most doctors, you can wear it on your body, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's still in a very recent study. Claire probably can cite it better than I can, but something like eighty or ninety percent of all doctors still demonstrate obesity bias. Yeah, and we hear about it all the time. Patients do to themselves, right? Absolutely. Patients do as well. <laughs> Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Oh, we, yeah. We. I mean, we do it every time. I mean. I still do it every, uh, well, I'm getting much better at it, but I still view myself as an obese patient. And every time I go in to see my, my primary care physician, I'm terrified that they're going to call me out for something related to my obesity because I am still technically obese. My BMI is 30, I think now. Right. So I'm still worried about that. And most patients go into bariatric surgery again, thinking that they are, they're the ones that cause this. Right. I mean, there's a lot of shame. And like what you said, Claire, like with so many other diseases, I can't hide mine. Mine is front and center. Mine is hanging off my skeleton in excessive amounts. So not only am I internalizing this, this shame or this thing that I think I've done to myself, but society also feels that it's proper and appropriate for them to shame me for, mm -hmm. for my disease. So I'm getting it both ways. Jason and Nat, before we really dive into this conversation, I would love to, to turn the floor over to, to you guys and just share a little bit about your experience or, you know, that this idea that surgery was going to be the only thing you needed going into it. Did you think that before? Oh, no, absolutely. Uh, not only did I think it, but that's what I was told. Like I, we were told ahead of time, like, oh, no, this is what you're going to do. We're going to go in. We're going to do this in a couple snips here, a couple, couple, you know, a couple sutures. You're going to be sore for a couple of days and you're going to be good to go. Here's your binder. You're going to live on this for the rest of your life. It's tight. It's awesome. Here you go. Cash checks, cash. Cool. Bye. So for me going into it, like what, what we're talking about, I was almost two years post-op before I heard anybody really start talking about how this wasn't my fault. Like it took a very long time for me to even be post-op for somebody to, to come along and be like, no, it's not your fault. And I was like, oh, well, yeah. Oh, cool. Thanks. I wish I would have known that before. Like, cause nobody was trying to tell me that ahead of time. So Knowing that and kind of doing the work that, you know, that the three of us have done is really what led me to, to realize that this isn't going to be enough. And a lot of people, you know, don't understand that because most insurance companies have a once in a lifetime bariatric treatment option. And that's it. 
you go in. So there is no, there is no, you know, you can't go back and say, well, now I want to re I want a revision to this because it's just not, a, it's not an option unless you pay out of pocket. So a lot of people feel like, oh, well, this is it. I just have to do this. And now that there's nothing else on the table, I'm just stuck with what I've done and I'm either going to sink or swim. Well, not only that, but like they, they won't pay for nutritional counseling after surgery. They won't pay yeah. for weight loss medication. They're not paying for therapy. They're not paying yeah. for a gym And that's membership. how they get out of it. It's a bar- it's one bariatric instant, like instance in- treatment, whatever that may be. So all additional treatments are off the table. So just a little teaser, Claire and I are working on something that will be covered by insur- insurance and would be an extremely comprehensive long-term support program for after surgery. So we'll, we'll keep you in tune. I can't say much more than that, but Claire knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, and that's really why we created the, the membership community, right? It's because we saw the need too. And you're just going like... The surgery was, was the primary, but this is, this is a disease like any other disease that requires multiple modalities of treatment. And for, for, for us to be told, or, you know, for us to think that, that that's going to be the only thing it it was a real, um, it, it was a real disservice on a lot of different levels. And I think that's why we're just so united in our mission to make sure that people understand that surgery is like step number one. You've got a hundred step process here that will lead you to this happy, healthy weight to metabolic wellness. But if we go into the thinking surgery is enough, it's, it, it won't be. Okay, hear me out. I went into surgery thinking it would be the only treatment I would need to overcome my chronic disease of obesity. About six months into my journey, I realized I was wrong. I was missing community, I was missing education from the experts, and I was missing a safe place to just go and connect with other patients who understood what I was going through. That's why Jason, Natalie, and I created the Berry Nation membership community. It is a safe and inclusive place for patients to gather with one another, to learn from the experts and each other. Check out the Berry Nation community today by visiting https backslash berrynation.mn.co to see what we have created. In Berry Nation, you belong and you don't have to do this journey alone. Um, well, my experience is somewhat unique. I know there's folks out there who have walked a similar path, but when I was, I was 350 pounds at age 15, perfect candidate for, uh, what was a very trendy, uh, surgery at the time, uh, which was lap band. Um, I was told this will cure you. Like I like flat out, like this will cure you. Um, so from a very formative age, I thought bariatric surgery was like the magic pill. Um, because that's what I was told at age 15, that this was going to cure me. Um, when that failed and then my, my next surgery also failed, obviously I was very confused. Um, then I met my my most recent surgeon, Dr. Ortiz, and he was the first surgeon I found that actually told me, like, you do need to move. You do. I mean, we had like trainings set up <laughs> prior to surgery, um, you know, talking about nutrition and talking about movement. Um, they were missing the the mindset piece. 
Um, but that was a step in the right direction. Um, so I was a little bit more prepared um, this go around, but I remember flat out sitting in the surgeon's seminar with other people, with my mom saying, this lap band is going to cure you. You're going to lose all the weight. You're going to be so healthy. This is it. Um, and obviously we've, we have made advances in some ways of, of our messaging, but at the core of it all, like, like what everyone has been saying, there's still that notion that that bariatric surgery is going to be the end all be all cure. And it's just not once you're in it, you just realize like that was not it. Like that wasn't the one thing. And, um, so yeah, my, my thought process going into this most recent one was a little different. Um, but yeah, I clearly remember being young and being told that I would be cured. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and the whole point of, I mean, of these conversations and of what we're all working so hard to do is just to help people acknowledge, know this truth going into it right? Acknowledge that it's not going to be enough and then help people lower the temperature. We've been saying that a, a bunch this year and it just makes so, so much sense to us, right? When, 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 when our temperatures are raised, we're, we're running on hot, we're not making the best decisions. We think that things are impossible. We get, we get into a really negative uh, mindset, just really difficult to move forward. But if we can lower the temperature, we can, we can bring down, you know, that boiling water, so to speak. We, we can think more clearly, we can make decisions that are better aligned and we can understand and realize and learn that we can successfully do this. There's just going to be, you know, some, some things that, that lie ahead for us. April, I would, I'd kind of take that whole thought that, that Nat built up a, a step further and say that this is an, an incredible human tendency to just look and say, if this happens, then I can finally kick back and relax and I won't have to worry anymore. If I make enough money, if I get this new promotion at work, if I my, my kids start getting good grades and get into this college, if I lose this much weight, then finally... I'll be able to relax and I won't have to worry. And the truth is that is absolutely false in every single place. No matter what level of success you, you reach, no matter what you achieve, constant work uncertainty is part of the human condition. And I think we have to understand that for our weight as well, that this is, we're never going to be satisfied with our weight. We're always going to struggle. That is part of, that is part of the human condition, but it's also what makes being a human, you know, fantastic is it's the struggles. If there's no downs, then, then there can be no ups. And I think we have to embrace this, this component of life just beyond our weight, but outside everything. And, and once you start to recognize, we're just here for a little bit and we got this body and this is what we can do. We can only do our best and it's not going to be perfect, but we just got to enjoy the ride. Then all of a sudden the decisions become a little more clear. Uh, yeah, I, to add on that, when I tell my story, it's so interesting. I wanted to say funny, but it's interesting to me that the first reaction I get from people is like, oh, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. And it's like, okay, yeah, like that was a very traumatic incident i you know had severe complications like yes that was a bad thing that happened but also because that happened to me a decade ago i can go into this surgery knowing what i know 
And I can use that knowledge and say, okay, I'm going to give it my all. I know the signs. I, I have more knowledge than a lot of people have when they go into surgery, you know, later in life. So exactly what Dr. Weiner said, I agree with that. Like we have to just take what we have and do what we can with it while we're here. It, it reminds me of, there was a line in a book and it's either the compound effect or the slight, slight edge. I'm, I'm not exactly sure, but one of those books talks about how we're always looking for that quantum leap. We're always looking for that one thing that's just going to skyrocket us up or like, you know, exactly what you were talking about too, Dr. Renner, right? Like, oh no, like this is going to be the thing. It's the arrival fallacy all over again, thinking that once we get to a low weight, everything will be solved. My life will be happy and wonderful. It's, it's a false reality that, that we have set up for ourselves. What, once we get to a low weight, that's when you have to learn how to maintain it. That's when you have to actually learn to live your life as a healthy person. And that's when this like Pandora's box of information opens up because you realize, oh my God, being healthy is so much more than, than a number on the scale. Well, it's something we've never done before. So that's the hardest part. It's like you have to learn to live to be somebody that you've never been before. So that's not that like that's where the real work begins. Wait, you mean I'm not supposed to just go back up again to 400 pounds? Like that's not the game. (laughs) But we know for 50% of bariatric patients, that is the game. And that is where they find themselves. And I think every single one of us, every bariatric patient reaches a point along their journey where that weight does start to creep up beyond that 10% bounce. You experience that regain and you go, oh my God, I've been here before. I know what this is. That's the commitment. And that is the time that that is the exact moment those red flags go up. And that's where we have to be open to learning and watching these kinds of conversations to acknowledge I need more than surgery. One more comment on this. Um, There's a wonderful book called Rewire Your Mind by Shauna Shapiro that I highly encourage everybody to read. It is all about loving kindness meditation. And it feels a little woo-woo at the beginning, but I promise it's very well worth the read. Um, And she talks and it, it stuck with me for so many aspects of life, but especially as we're talking about, you know, you hit a point where you're starting to regain weight that Shame and blame, right? This this feeling of shame actually shuts down the areas of our brain that are able to grow and change, right? So when we feel shameful about what has happened, we're not able to make decisions that move us forward. We end up just kind of spiraling in this place. Whereas when we can view whatever's happened with some self-compassion, right? Like we would tell a friend, okay, you know, this has happened. This, this makes sense, right? This is something that we knew was a possibility. Then if we come at it from a place of compassion, then we're more able to, you know, make those changes moving forward in a productive way. So April, when you were talking about lowering the temperature, it just made me think of that. And then Natalie, you talking about your story, right? Um, It just made me think of, you know, so often our first response is, gosh, I'm so ashamed of what has just happened. And that's like the worst thing we could do, (laughs) right? And not to give that on on this, right? We don't have to feel shame about feeling shame, but we can just recognize that, hey, this is actually a pretty unhelpful feeling right now. And instead, can I look for options, right? And that, you know, and we can start thinking about, is it medications? You know, is it that, okay, things have happened with my nutrition that I want to refocus on? So I felt that I found that incredibly helpful to bring back into my mind as I hit different areas in life. And I think a lot of patients have found that helpful too. 
we will make sure that that we link all of these books that we're talking about in the yeah. show notes because yeah. I know everyone's going to be like, what is this? I mean, yeah, this is <laughs> this is what we do. But uh, really, we're all talking about the same thing. How how do we how do we move forward in our bariatric life and just in our life when when we hit that wall, right? When we when we make these realizations, how do we not panic? How do we not spiral into the shame cycle? How do we acknowledge this is where I'm at? How am I going to move forward? What what are the treatment options that I'm now going to onboard so that I can continue this this positive path forward? And medication is one of them. That's what we're here to here to talk about. So if you guys are ready, I say let's dive in. Let's do it. All right. Dr. Weiner, let's start with you. What are these new weight loss medications that everybody is learning or talking about in recent months? Uh, so these medications are, are called GLP-1 analogs. GLP-1 is a, is a hormone that we release um, that helps us regulate our appetite and regulate our body fat storage. Um, and it's actually one of the hormones that is, is heavily, is changed a lot by bariatric surgery. So everybody thinks initially that bariatric surgery, I'm sure when Nat had her band, this was probably, it's going to block you from eating that. You're not going to be able to eat. And this kind of stems from this whole shame and blame um, uh, mindset that we have about obesity. It's that Nat can't control herself on her own. So we must put a mechanical device in her that controls her eating. And what we find is that just doesn't work because the human body needs calories and we'll find a way to get calories. And it's really not about calorie deprivation, but it's about changing the way your body manages its fat storage. That's really it. Just like diabetes is about changing the way your body manages its blood glucose storage. And so bariatric surgery works by removing a portion of the stomach or changing the anatomy and diverting the, the food um, kind of further down the intestinal tract and, and diverting it away from the first part of the intestinal tract. When that when we make these surgical changes to your anatomy, it adjusts the way intestinal hormones are released and the way our body responds to intestinal hormones like insulin and ghrelin and leptin and GLP-1. And what we found is that taking um, GLP-1 and it's, it's the, the most effective forms are available as injections can really simulate some of that, you know, that we used to call it the honeymoon effect after bariatric surgery. It's that first year or so after bariatric surgery, you're like, this is magical. This is what I dreamed it would be. And then the honeymoon ends. If you go on our, my online courses, I have the honeymoon years and I have the end of the honeymoon years and how you have to kind of adjust and behave differently for, for those um, time periods. And so what these medications really do to some degree is they keep the honeymoon alive. They bring that, that initial response your body had to the, the surgery, they bring that back and, and give you more control over your eating and more control over your body weight. Um, and they really are just an amazing adjunct to bariatric surgery. And they're just completely game-changing in the way we're treating patients now. And I can testify to that as a patient, as a bariatric patient who is on one of these GLP-1 uh, medications. I'm on Mondrano, the semiglutide. It absolutely is replicating many of the experiences I had my first few months after bariatric surgery. Uh, my, my cravings have dissipated. It's much easier for me to, to listen to it, acknowledge my, my fullness cues, my hunger cues. Um, just a lot of things are, are, are changing in a positive way. 
But what has not gone away is I still have to be very cognizant and be very, uh, pay very close attention to what I do choose to eat in a day, right? Because my hunger signals are lower. I need to make sure that I'm eating a well-balanced meal. So it's not that it's taken away, like, you know, this, this all thought of food. It's that my, my hunger is different. My, my signals are a little bit more clear, but if I am not cognizant about what I'm choosing to eat, I still feel like crap at the end of the day. So it has really given me more capacity to think deeply about the foods that I'm eating. And not only that, but like, what is nutritious about this item? Like, why am I choosing to eat this over this? And I can absolutely tell a difference day to day uh, based on what I'm choosing to eat. So it has been just an absolute game changer. And I've been on it for uh, getting close to four months now, and I'm down 27 pounds. Now that is in conjunction with the medication being very fastidious about what I'm eating, not perfect, but being very cognizant of it and making movement almost something that I do every single day and highly focusing on, on my mindset, right? Going to support groups, podcast, like all those things. It's been all four of those things on top of surgery. So really it's five things that I've been leaning into uh, to, to help me combat the regain that I was experiencing, um, you know, three and a half years, three years post-op from surgery. It, they really are a complete game changer, complete game changer. And I'm so thankful that I learned about them from, from both of you. You were the first ones that I really heard about it. And I was like, oh, so there isn't necessarily something wrong with me, right? These old hormones are coming back. My body had stabilized. I was finding it difficult to, to make choices that were different from the choices of, of my old life. All of those things were, were playing into to what I was experiencing. And I know Jason and Natalie, you guys have both experienced these things as you've moved away from, from surgery and you're both doing things currently to, to get back on track. Yeah. My, uh, I, I was realizing that the, the scale was jumping up past the 10 pound you know, 10% bounce and have really had to lock into what I was putting in my body at the time. So reverting back to tracking for me, or actually starting tracking for me because I was never a fan of it. I just realized I got to a point where I couldn't, I, I could no longer operate not knowing what was going in. So in doing so has led me to make some very serious changes in the diet and the things that I've been doing, which has led to just since the 1st of January, when I started this, um, already down six pounds from that time, just in doing that on my own with the tracking and getting ready to once I get a couple of more weeks of data, you know, compiled, I'm going to reach out to a dietitian and kind of get back on our, on a real regulated meal plan and kind of go from there. Yeah. And I, um, I also put on some weight after I hit my, my lowest and I realized, um, there were a couple factors. Um, main one being, uh, I had undiagnosed ADHD. I re recognized the signs I read a lot went to uh, my provider um, and I got medications that way that have really been helping me. Um, similar to what April was saying, like, I just have more capacity now to say like, am I hungry? Is this head hunger? Like I have more ability to focus on that. Um, and then doing a lot of mindset work and tracking and, and putting all of those things together, but going to therapy consistently, um, going to Barry Nation support groups with actual bariatric therapists helps. Um, so yeah, putting, putting all of those three things together has also helped me 
go in that direction um, that I needed to go that I wasn't utilizing before, um, which is so weird because we literally created a supportive space and I was not using the space that I created. That's a whole thing. Um, but yeah, it makes a difference. It makes a difference when you, when you go and do these things in addition to having your surgery. Yep. I, I almost got in a bit of a, a tiff with somebody the other day on social media because they, they were trying to convince me that I was spending too much of my life involved in the bariatric community. And I was like, bro, this is my life. I cannot separate my status as a patient now from my, from my regular life. And if I'm telling you that this is what is contributing to me being a healthier person, I don't understand where you think that I shouldn't be doing these things. But again, it's that obesity bias. It's it's that obesity shame. It's the, hey, you had surgery, that should be enough. Like you don't need to be doing all this other stuff. And it's like, I absolutely have to be doing all of these other things because surgery alone is not enough. But somebody who doesn't suffer from that and hasn't hit that wall, right? That honeymoon wall, you don't know until, until you're kind of there. So Claire, how do we know that it, could be time for us to talk to our primary care physician or our bariatric surgeon about onboarding weight loss medication. Yeah, absolutely. So everything that, you know, April and Nat and Jason, you were all describing to me, it was this very aha moment uh, to me of, ah, yeah, your set point had drifted back up a little bit and was pulling you up with it, right? So up until the point where you started to feel like, gosh, I just really can't make decisions anymore based on the nutrition of food. You know, I'm making decisions based on cravings or, um, you know, I feel like I'm thinking about food so much more often. And, you know, all of those things to me are signals that, okay, yeah, after bariatric surgery, your set point came down. And so your body was, you know, your body weight was coming down to meet it. And your brain is incredibly insidious about the ways that it, you know, adjusts set points, right? So, when you're above your set point and your body weight is dropping, your brain is allowing you to feel satiated off of foods and to crave the right stuff, right? And to move your body more easily. And then once you drop, you know, low enough, and then if your set point does start to drift back up, now it's kind of trying to pull you back up to where it thinks you should be. And so the brain turns around and not only slows metabolism, but also increases food seeking behavior, decreases how satiating food is, right? So the same plate of food that you're eating today, when yesterday that felt satisfying today, oh, I think I want seconds, right? Or thinking about the the more calorie dense foods because your body is saying, okay, I'm starving now. It's time for me to come back up to set point, right? Okay. So I yeah. Sorry, I just want to repeat this because this is like I think such a powerful thing. Claire, our brains are actively working against our goals. Right. Absolutely. So, so when you experience this as a patient, you need to stop and hear this conversation in your head. There is nothing wrong with you. Your brain is doing exactly what it is wired to do. Absolutely. Because you our want... ancestors up until a very recent time frame struggled with, you know, not having enough food around, right? It wasn't that they were struggling with abundance. So our brain's job was our appetite regulating center's job was to say, all right, well, when we're entering a famine, we've got to, you know, do everything possible to get our body weight back up. Right. And certainly there are other environmental factors that can contribute to our weight drifting back up, right? If we're consuming liquid calories or, you know, some other other things that can contribute. 
Um, but I think it's really important to recognize that as a biological shift and not as, again, a, a moral failing, a you know laziness, whatever we, we tell ourselves that it is, right? Um, so if you have not reached the weight that you and your surgeon kind of talked about together, if you feel like, gosh, you know, I'm losing some weight after surgery, but I'm not losing as much as I was told I would lose after surgery, or you have lost weight and you're, you know, regaining above that 10% uh, weight regain that we're kind of expecting, then that's a really good time to start the conversation, maybe even before that, right? So if you feel your trajectory is going up and you're trying everything you can to, to keep that under control, you know, I think that's a really good time to bring that concern up with your surgeon or your primary care, because it can take a little while to figure out what's going to work for you, you know, long-term. Because there are plenty of different options on the market now that, that are under that weight loss umbrella, right? There are multiple different versions and there's different types of GLP ones, correct? Right. Absolutely. And here's another radical idea that we do a lot in our clinic, right? Let's say you did reach the goal, reach your goal weight, right? Reach the weight that you talked about with your surgeon and you're not regaining a ton of weight, but you're not at the weight that you feel comfortable or, you know, your chronic disease processes that are associated with this weight, you know, are not reversing as much as you wanted or your, you and your doctor, you know, had hoped they would. There is no shame in saying, okay, well, these medications are synergistic if my body mass index is still elevated and I would like to achieve a lower body weight because I know that that will contribute to health. There's no shame in that either, right? So it's not that we have to wait for some certain event to happen. It's pretty individualized. And, you know, I think you'll know when you want to talk to your doctor about it, right? Most people do. I certainly do. I mean, I, I got into a low weight of, I think 205 or 206 was the lowest I ever saw on the scale, but I weighed 180 uh, pounds in, in high school and I was fit. I was lean. You know, I, I like that. And I thought I would never see that weight again until I had surgery. And then I realized I, I can see that weight again, but it's going to take 10 things. And one of those things is going to be medication. And that was really what sparked me to, to reach out to my PCP and, and have this conversation because I felt empowered to do so. But I think so many people don't feel empowered. They, they feel that, that they don't deserve this medication or they're hearing in the news that there's a shortage or there's this or there's that. So how would you both recommend patients like the three of us start this conversation? Like where, where, what, what would you hope that, that a patient would say to you if they were interested in beginning this medication journey? I think that, you know, first of all, April, it sounds like you had a receptive PCP and there are many, many PCPs who are receptive to this idea and who understand that obesity is a disease and that these medications are helpful. And, you know, my hope is that there wasn't any shame or judgment in, in that conversation. Um, I, I think, you know, what we're starting to see is, first of all, there's, there are more and more bariatric practices that are offering these medications. The theme at our upcoming um, annual convention is multimodal therapy. So I think even the surgeons who make their living on operating on people recognize that this is a really important thing for us to be offering our patients. Um, so I think what we're, what we're most likely going to be seeing is, you know, people don't go to see their primary care doctor to have a colonoscopy, they go to a gastroenterologist. And I think we're gonna to start to see weight obesity specialty practices. And there'll be maybe some PCPs who kind of, you know, make that a little bit of a niche. And then there's other practices like ours that kind of offer it. 
Um, but I think we're going to start to see that practices that really focus on this are going to be able to offer a lot more resources to patients because, as you've said, it takes more. It takes more than the meds. It takes more than the surgery. And we need to be able to put together all of the pieces for people to maximize these medications. Um, just a, a brief comment on the shortage and some of the judgment that came along with, you know, you're taking that medication away from a diabetic. Like, first of all, I'll take diabetes any day before obesity. I mean, please bring on the diabetes. Let my A1C go to eight before I get to 350 pounds. Uh, obesity, in my opinion, is a disease that impacts your quality of life way more and probably in some situations shortens it a, a similar amount depending on the severity of diabetes. So I think that's just one more jab at obesity being a, a lifestyle choice, not, a, not an actual disease state. Um, and so I think anybody who has concerns of, oh, they don't want to take it away from someone who really needs it, BS, you need it too. Thank you. Say that louder for the people in the back. That has been my, like, oh my God, I'm just like, I, diabetes is an awful disease, period, full stop. Obesity is just as awful, if not more. And why obesity has been shafted and been forced to like live in the dark corner for so long, I don't understand, especially when it is so detrimental to so many layers of not only your health, but your lifestyle. And it's like, so the only treatment plan now for people who are suffering is surgery that you have to jump through 8 million hoops and hope to God it's covered and then do all of these things before you can even be considered for treatment. What? I could, I could walk into to a clinic and say, I, I want to stop smoking or, or I've got lung disease. You would get treatment immediately right away. I mean, it's just like, but yet obesity, like the most deadly thing out there. Hmm. When you can get treatment to quit smoking for free. They'll give, yes. it. give it away. They hand it out. And everybody will cheer you on. They'll be like, that boy, Jason, you're going to do it this time. Right? Not, 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 not for people that are suffering from a uh, horrible disease of obesity. Hmm. No, I just say you put the fork down. Right? Oh, oh. Don't even, don't even get me. You, you know, that's my magic. Those are my magic fight words. That's my fight club. I will talk about fight club. I will talk about it everywhere. <laughs> So um, clear what another another just thought about the you know Dr. Weiner said yeah a lot of primary cares will be receptive and I think there is some more um, education you know we're trying to educate primary care physicians and providers about um, the disease of obesity and there's this big you know treat or refer push that says all right we get it you're not comfortable treating the disease of obesity I don't know why you're not because more the you know probably half of your patients suffer from it, but okay. If you're not willing to educate yourself on how to treat this disease in a, you know, evidence-based manner, then please refer, right? Um, and primary care physicians do have a lot on their plate that they have to deal with and understand. And this disease process that is complex and difficult to talk about oftentimes for both, both patients and providers, um, that's asking a lot of primary care providers I, I hope that someday that becomes standard of care, that every primary care provider is comfortable treating the disease of obesity, just like they're all comfortable treating the disease of high blood pressure, type 2 diabetes, et cetera. In the meantime, um, you know, I think if they are not receptive to giving you treatment themselves, then asking for a referral, you know, like Dr. Reiner said, is imperative. 
Um, so if you still have a good relationship with your surgeon, absolutely. Otherwise, um, the Obesity Medicine Association has a really nice um, provider uh, directory that those people have, you know, they've been through some training um, in the space of obesity medicine. So that's a really good resource as well to find, you know, people who have certifications in that area as well. I think another important point that a lot of people don't understand is many people think they can't go to a specialist unless their PCP refers them. And, and that is true in, I don't know, 7% of all insurance policies or something. I mean, there are insurance policies that do require referrals to specialists, but the overwhelming majority, Medicare does not, almost every commercial policy does not require a referral from their primary care doctor. So if you walk out and did not have a positive experience with whoever the first doctor that you tried, try another one. Look, you know, look, uh, use the, re the, rep the resources that Claire mentioned, do a little bit of searching. It won't take long to find someone else who is willing to treat you and you don't need a referral or your PCP's permission for that. Yeah, I think, great point. Yeah, I think that's, that's such, I think that's the missing piece for, for a lot of, a lot of people in the bariatric community, right? You think that you don't deserve this treatment or you feel bad because you think like, oh, but I've already had surgery. I can't believe that I need more treatment. No, we want you to flip the script on that. Your script should be, you did a phenomenal job of onboarding your primary uh, primary treatment. Now it's time to onboard your secondary, right? Because surgery is not enough and it was never designed to, to be enough. Well, maybe it was, but but now we know that it's not, right? Like you need so, so much more than that. And if your first experience with whoever you're seeing about this is not positive, do not give up your health and your life and, and your happiness and all of these things that, that, that are here for you are worthy of the work to find the right provider for you. You are a customer. Do not stop shopping around until you find that, that practitioner, that, that person that views you as a person who is suffering from a disease and is excited to partner with you uh, to, to, to help you learn to, to manage that disease. You have to, you have to keep looking. You cannot give up on yourself. You just can't. You've come so far. You've done so many things, right. To, to get you to, to this place, uh, just, just don't give up. And, and we, we know how devastating it can be. I mean, Jason, Natalie and I, we've all been shamed by, by doctors that we've seen. We've all felt the shame, you know, internally, uh, but we, we know that the work is worth it because we, you know, we, we are living it. We're living it. And it all goes back to what <clears throat> Dr. Weiner said earlier. We're only on this earth. <clears throat> sorry. We're only on this earth for so long. So it's like you're worth putting in the work to find someone to help you because they will come, but you cannot give up. I gave up for 10 years. I know that other people have struggled. It's you just get to a point where you just can't, you can't give up. Claire, Dr. Weiner, thank you so much for joining us tonight for this really important conversation. If there is one thing that you would like to leave our listeners or friends or our watchers with when it comes to weight loss medication, what would what would be that one piece that, that you hope they, they, they leave with? Yeah, I think it's that this is an effective treatment option, number one, right? I think we're all accustomed to the older treatment options that are uh, not as great. And so we all just kind of said, no, that's not even something I'm going to consider. These are really effective treatment options and you deserve them, 
right? You deserve to have your disease process managed in a really effective way. And that can include more than one thing. I think, you know, just to build on that a little bit, that these medications are really an extension of the surgery. And when we make these anatomic changes, our, our body adjusts. And then our body will end up adjusting the medication. You know, I'm probably, what, four or five years, Claire, we'll be having a, a talk on this about tachyphylaxis after with these medications where they start to lose their effect over time. And I think that's entirely possible that we're, we're looking at something like that in a couple of years. Um, and then at which point we're just going to have to find a new treatment and keep moving on. Um, but this is, this is the nature of disease. This is the, this is the nature of human physiology. And I think, you know, the second you start to look at obesity as a metabolic disease, it all makes sense. And you can really figure it out and, and, and help people with this, with this problem. When you start to look at this as an emotional disease, a willpower disease, you get nowhere with it. And so I think it's important, you know, when, if you went through surgery and you were frustrated because you felt judged, I think it's important for us to make sure that we extend that same courtesy to anyone who chooses medications as their, their weight loss option, whether it's a primary treatment or a secondary treatment. Um, but the, it really, these are all extensions of, of treatment of the same disease process. And it's important for us to look at it. These are, these are incredible. There's incredibly strong evidence supporting these, the use of these medications. And you know, I think, April, your experience is actually quite typical. You know, I, I wouldn't describe your weight loss as remarkable in any way. You know, this is what we're seeing. And it's really helped me embrace more facets of, of my bariatric journey and just of my life. It's really helped me understand uh, that I, you know, I, I am battling a disease. And if I don't throw everything I got at this disease, it is going to, to rule my life. It's going to dictate my life. And it, it ruled it for, for the first 37 years. I'm over it. I do not want to give any more of my time and my energy uh, to, to, to letting this disease beat me up. I am ready to beat it up. <laughs> I am ready to, to, you know, to throw everything I can at it because I'm worth it. And I think that's why all of us are having this conversation tonight. We value everyone's life and we want everybody to have equal opportunity when it comes to, to, to taking what they want to, to get out of it, what they want out of it. And we are over the shame. We're over the guilt. We just want to help people access all of the treatments that they need to find and maintain their happy, healthy weight. It's not me telling people you need this, this, and this. It's me saying, here are all of your options. Try them all. Create your recipe. Uh, and, 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 and we can do it together. Well, we fought hard to get this second lease on life. So why not fight just as hard to keep it? Like, why would we let everything revert back? It's all about, you know, choose your heart and our heart. We chose one heart. Now we got to keep choosing, you know, what's going to keep us in the, in the area that we, we finally were able to get to. Yeah. And, and I would just uh, encourage uh, anybody listening and watching today that is thinking about having a conversation with a provider about weight loss medication listen to this podcast again, watch this podcast multiple times and become familiar with the words and the phrases and the sentences and, and the, and the truths that live in here, because you can use this knowledge to empower the conversations that you're going to have with, with these providers. And it will empower you uh, as a, as a, as an advocate uh, for your own needs. So that if you do go into a situation and it's, 
doesn't go the way that you want. You are going to have the knowledge and the education, the resources, the words to back what you want. And you can continue these conversations on. The whole point of these conversations is to empower you with the tools that you need to go forth and advocate for yourself. So, you know, if you've heard something in this podcast and you don't exactly know what that word is, it's okay, look it up. I literally, we all three of us have dictionaries on our phone, right? It's called Google so that we can we can know what these things are. Don't be intimidated by, by words that maybe you've never heard before. Embrace this as another part of your treatment plan and 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 just know that this education is how you're going to get from where you are today to where you want to be in the next few weeks months years and the rest of your life and we are here to support you <laughs> we didn't know what any of this meant two, a couple years ago so if we didn't know it we learned it you can learn it too claire dr weider again thank you so much for joining us where can they find you where can they follow you where can they access resources our, our website's a great, great place to start, www.poundacureweightloss.com. Um, and, uh, you know, we do a little bit on Instagram and social media, not not a ton. Uh, we're moving into a new building and we're actually building some some um, a better way for us to generate some, some content. So hopefully in the second half of 2023, you'll start seeing a lot more content from, from me, from Claire, from the rest of our team at, at, at uh, Poundacure. And then you can get my books also on Amazon. Yep. And they're awesome. I, I have copies of copies of them all. They're bookmarked, highlighted, flag tagged, all the things. They're a wonderful resource. He also has a phenomenal YouTube channel. And we did a webinar together on metabolic wellness and uh, and these medications. If you have not seen that, I highly recommend that you do. If you go to our YouTube channel uh, on YouTube, just search Berry Nation, you're gonna find a whole metabolic wellness kind of playlist. And we just pulled in all of the resources that we love from all of our favorite people, just to kind of make one place that you can go. And there's a ton of Dr. Weiner's resources there as well that, that, that you can access. And we'll make sure that we link everything in the show notes to you guys. These will be the most linked and extensive show notes I think we've ever done in our life. It's going to be like a mini thesis on, on weight loss, medication, and obesity. And we are here for that. Jason, my friend, you want to take us out? Yes, Dr. Weiner, Claire, thank you so much for your time, your expertise, your knowledge. We appreciate you guys always being available for us. That's amazing. Uh, to the community, we thank you guys for all the support that you've given us. Uh, we couldn't be where we are without you guys. You guys help us just as much as we could ever have helped you guys. So we appreciate you. And just remember, at the end of the day, you've got this, we've got you, and we'll see you next time. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you.